This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. I'm going to apologize. I hope the connections worked well. Our yeshiva has gone to a campsite about an hour away in, in very in the really rural area in Adamstown, Maryland, so that we can have a very normal yeshiva environment, but the connections are not always fantastic. I'm hoping that um, I tried my best, Be'ez uh, Hashem, that the connection be good and so on. Okay, we're going to be starting Slichas and Hashem in a week. Uh, next Matzah Shabbos or Sunday is when Slichas start. And the primary component of Slichas is Yud Gimel Midas. Those 13 attributes of Hashem, Hashem, Kerach, and Bechanim. Um, you know, everyone has it kind of upside down. We tend to think of the slichas we say as the main thing, with Hashem, Hashem as some sort of, you know, refrain, interlude, or whatever. Really, the filler, the focal point is that prayer of Hashem, Hashem, Kelrachum Bechanum. We mentioned 13 attributes, 13 names of Hashem, and, um, and we ask for mercy because of the merit of those names, and so to speak, and so on. So we really need to ask ourselves, what is unique about those words? And there's a minhag, it, there's a custom in, a, uh, in the Turbings, a custom that on Yom Kippur, we should try to say 13 times Hashem, or Yom Kippur. Because, you know, 13 times 13, a very that's that's a special schos. Um, those thirteen descriptions of the mercy of Akadosh Baruch Hu is a special prayer. It has its origin at the darkest moment of Jewish history, and that is at the sin of the eagle, when Klal Yisrael sinned at the eagle. And Hashem said they deserve to be destroyed. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't come up with any type of prayer that would save them. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself um, appeared and presented the appropriate prayer. And I'll read the Gemara inside Rosh Hashanah. It's Yudzayin Amit Beis. And, um, and I'll, we'll, we'll try to see some elements of how the Gemara presents it. Omer Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, Il mole mikre If the Pasuk in the Torah had not been so explicit in saying, Hashem sort of passed by, passed across the face of Moshe and called out. Had the Pasuk not been so explicit, we could not say it ourselves. In other words, it's a very daring way in which um, the Pasuk presents it. And the Gemara interprets it. who wrapped himself up like a chazin. And 
And he showed Moshe the appropriate tefillah, the appropriate prayer to say. Amalon, he told him, Kozman she Yisrael chotin, whenever Klal Yisrael sins, Yasu lefonei kaseda zeh, they should, they should perform the following seder. In other words, meaning they should say the following prayer. Vanimochlem, I'll forgive them, Hashem, Hashem. And, and that's that. So the Gemara gives us an extraordinarily blunt, um, to the point of almost borderline of what we could say, that Kaddish Baruch showed Moshe Rabbeinu the, the Seder at Tfilah, and he said, whenever they do this, this is, they, 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 they will be forgiven. So first of all, what's unique about saying these words? I mean, some people tend to have sort of, let's call it a magical slash mystic bent, where if you say certain special magical words, they have an effect. We, we, we shy away from that. Hashem is wants goodness, uh, and, and so normal prayer is, is, is very well understood. A person humbles himself, a person asks for forgiveness, a person promises to do well. Those are, those are all things that make a lot of sense. And it's what Hashem wants from us. Hashem wants us to do what's right and what's good. And you know, in general, that's, that's what happens. But by saying these magical 13 words, um, that's presto, it's the abracadabra of sorts. It's repulsive. I, I mean, it, 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 there's something magical about these words. It, it's the meaning. It's, it's, it's something about it. That, that does it, does it require something from us or just kind of saying this jingle and Akadosh Baruch Hu tunes into a jingle? Those are things that are repulsive and, um, it must mean something much more than that. In the Gemara itself, if you read it over, there's something that, that sort of strikes you as being odd. He's teaching them certain, a certain formula to say, Hashem, Hashem, Kerachum Bechanim. So the right way to describe that would be, Akarish Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu. Akarish Baruch Hu informed Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, that's something which um, would be the right way to describe it, because we're being told what, what to, to do. What does it mean he showed him? What was it to show? It, it, and it even describes it as, as wrapped in a talus. But, but Herolola Moshe Seder Tfila. He showed him the Seder Tfila. And, and then he says, whenever they do the Seder, I'll be Mohel. Well, he should have said, he, he told them the words. He revealed to him the words to say. The Gemara seems to say that something more profound than those words had to be um, it had to be transmitted to Moshe Rabbeinu. Why did he need to show him something? What's the showing all about? That's, that's a point. So our main point, our main issue is um, something which is um, to try to understand what in the world um, they'll do 13 special words and do for a person or for the nation that's that that regular tshuva would not do and um why does this have to be shown 
Another point of of um, to ponder is these these thirteen middos, these thirteen attributes and names of God are called in various Kabbalahs for midas of vitur. Vitur means to forego something. You know, it, it's 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 like we use it in when 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 somebody has a right for something and he's mevater. Um, means that 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 you know when you tell kids when two kids are arguing over something and even in our parents' uh, Solomonic Salom- wisdom we can't decide who's right we'll tell one child be mevater to the other one like even though you have a right for it but forego the right that's what it's referred to the problem is this runs counter. To a Gemara and Baba Kama, it says if anyone says Akadish Baruch Hu is a vatrin, meaning Akadish Baruch Hu kind of is easy. Like you know, if you chum up enough, Akadish Baruch Hu will be okay. You know, okay, we'll, 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 I'll be mevater. It says a very sharp expression, Yevatr Chayoyin. Then, then, then Akadish Baruch Hu will forego his life. In other words, saying that Akadish Baruch Hu is a vatrin. He's somebody who kind of foregoes without any rhyme or reason, just kind of, you know, shrugs it off. That's an aberration. That's, that's, that's distorting. Kaddish Baruch Hu is mishpat. Kaddish Baruch Hu wants justice and righteousness. And, and not carrying out mishpat is something which is, it, it distorts reality. It, it creates situations that are um, wrong. So if saying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a veteran is something which is wrong, theologically wrong, then, then how come on your Kippur we sum up these middles that are referred to as Vitor? Even without referring it, but that seems to be what we're doing. What we seem to be doing is kind of asking for something that's undeserved. One more, I'd like to introduce one more Gemara, and then we'll, I'll try to explain the points over here. This is a Gemara in Tainus. It's on Chafheyom at Beis, and it goes as follows. Tonu Rabbanan, Maiseber Abelyeza Shegoza Shlosha Srei Tainus Ala Tzibu Lerlog Shamim. Um, he was praying for for the community um, for rain and he said 24 blessings that you say um, in, on, on a public tinus. we don't do it today but this was done in those days and no rain came. Yerad Rebakiva Achraf. Rebakiva was the next uh, um, Baltfilla. The Ame says, Avinu Malkein al Melchal Ata, Avinu Malkein al Mancha Rechem Aleinu. He said, Two Avinu Malkeinus. And this, by the way, is the source for the Avinu Malkein formulation that we have. The Yodag Shamim, and lo and behold, rain came. Have a Rabbanam. So the Rabbanan were whispering that, you know, obviously, Rebbe Kiva is a much, much bigger tzaddik than Rebbe Yezer. 
Rabbi Yezza said a whole 24 brachas and nothing came. Rabbi Kiva said two stands of Vino Marcano and presto, right away it was. Yotzes Abaskal Va'amra. A baskal came out and said, a voice came out from heaven, Lo mipne shezeh gadol mizeh, ela shezeh maval midosov, zeh midosov. It's not that Rebbe Akiva is greater than Eliezer, it's just that Rebbe Akiva is ma'avir al-midosov. Ma'avir al-midosov is a similar expression. It means someone who foregoes something that's his. Um, you know, this is like what we called, what we explained before about vitor. It's you have a right for it, you're within your rights, but you, you know, you, you forego. And, and therefore, he was answered and him not. So the question is, well, let's try to understand it. If they were both equal tzaddikim, let's, let's, let's use a scoring system. Each one had 100 points. And Rabbi Kiva was also Marvel Midosov, which is some wonderful Mida. So then he's a bigot tzaddik. He is a bigot tzaddik, Rabbi Yazid, because he's got, he learned as much as him, and he davened as much as him, he has much stucker, and he also had this. So obviously, when you factor everything in, they were equal even after you factor it in. So Rebel Yeza, I don't know, maybe learned more hours or gave more tzedakah, um, he, he, he helped more people, um, and, and Rebbe Akiva didn't help as many people, but he was Mavatal Midosov, Mavatal Midosov. So in the bottom line, they both have 100 points. So the question is, so why was Rebbe Akiva answered rather than Rebbe Yeza? Um, at the end of the day, uh, they're, they're the same righteous people. It's, it's just a different variety of righteousness. That question was asked by Rabbi Sol Salanta, the founder of the Muslim movement, and, uh, and, and his point that he makes is going to form the understanding we have of this. Let's first talk about, I'm going to talk more in general, and then we'll reference his answer at this particular Gemara. But I want to try now to explain what is this idea of being Mavatamidosov. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made the world a world that is run on truth, justice, and that is the bedrock of the world. Hatsur Tamim Pa'oloi, called Drach of Mishpat, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's ways are all Mishpat. Whereas the Christians painted us as mean people. The, the, the Lord of the, the God of the Old Testament is, 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 is harsh, very insistent judgment. The, 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 um, the, their um, deity, we'll call him, is just pure love and, and kindness and for everybody. Um, none of this justice and harshness and so on. Well, the answer is, that is a destructive world. And besides the fact that, that we've, we've, we've had our fair share of, of, of unconditional love from the Christians the last 2,000 years, and if that's unconditional love, I can't imagine what, what hate would be. But Tachlis, um, um, unconditional love means 
destruction of truth, righteousness, and so on. If someone who worked hard at something and worked hard at being good stands in the same place as somebody who was a ruthless murderer, then you've destroyed the world. And that is not positive. It's very destructive. Not having a right and wrong and truth and falsehood is, is it, it destroys the world, it destroys people, and it means that evil triumphs under the guise of unconditional love. That's bad. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made truth be the very cornerstone of the world. We affirm it on Rosh Hashanah, and that is the bedrock. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a midah, HaKadosh Baruch has an attribute. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is infinite and, and not bound by anything, he can override it. And let's understand, it's, let's give an example. And I'm going to use kind of a science fiction example where you have, you know, or I, I guess not even science fiction, it's kind of, there, there was a, a famous book when I, was, when I was growing up called The Flatlands. I think by Abbott, if I remember correctly, it was about a world that was two-dimensional and it described how that world existed. And then a three-dimensional being came and they couldn't figure out, how'd you get in? Everything is, is, is closed off. And he said, I just walked over it. So what does the word over mean? There's no over. There's either side, this side or that side. And, and he sort of tries to flesh out. It's a very it's a fascinating, cute book to sort of give you a sense of what a different dimension means. So when you're two-dimensional and then you, you, a third dimension comes in, for the person trapped in the two-dimensional world, it's coming from nowhere. For the person who has the three dimensions, he understands the, 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 the picture of two-dimensional and understands where coming in from on top sort of you know, uh, uh, supersedes and so on. Um, and, and all these things, these, you know, all sorts of science fiction, is tunneling for dimensions, whatever it is, but, but there's a sort of a picture of having a fixed world and then a possibility of something else. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a world of justice and truth. And our being held accountable for what we do is, means that, that makes us citizens of that world, and that's the best for us. If a person was not held accountable and he was given he was he, he was given stuff that wasn't deserved, he wouldn't appreciate it, he wouldn't like it, and 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 he would not enjoy it, and we would there, there is no good when it's unearned. And that's why the great good is when it's earned. Akarish Baruchu is not bound by it, and Akarish Baruchu can also override. And the word override is going to be a very key word in what we're trying to explain. It's not undo justice. It's override justice. And that's why, so let's go back to the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, which speaks about HaKadosh Baruch Hu showing Moshe Rabbeinu um, this, this process. The Benish Chai he was a great Iraqi scholar and saint. He lived at the turn of, died at the turn of the last century. He was a, 
uh, a, he wrote a, a Benish Chai, which is their Psak Sefer for many communities. And he, he was an extraordinarily a prolific writer. He wrote a Pirush on the Agadites of Gemaras, amongst many things. He wrote many, many things. And he explains the Gemara as follows. What does it mean he showed Moshe Rabbeinu? Why didn't he just tell him? So he says the following insight. He says, let's, let's take an example. If I tell you that so-and-so drove, drove down the road um, from point A to point B, as soon as I tell it to you, you know exactly what I mean. It's, it's an idea that's relevant. It's, it's part of your world. People drive all the time. And if I tell you, you drove from New York to Washington, where we live, and, and you know, down the, the, the turnpike, et cetera, et cetera, that's, that's communicating information, and that's fine. If I tell you that so-and-so hovered in the air, so-and-so gravitated, so-and-so it, it did, it, it floated in the air, I will tell you, I don't know what you're talking about. And the only way I'll possibly um, at least be able to, to come to grips with it is if you show me. Because it's an idea that I have no, it's, it's nowhere within my mind is the idea of somebody levitating. And, and it, it's, it doesn't exist. So it's, you can't tell me about somebody levitating because that's meaningless to me. People don't levitate. If I see it, maybe. But, but, but I need showing means something that you have no record of it. It's not part of what you understand. So just like in physics today, in contemporary physics, we have ideas that quote unquote don't make sense, but they, but they show up. The, 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 um, the results prove that such and such happened. So I say to myself, it doesn't make any sense, but it's there. I, I, but I need to see it. When I see, um, I, 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 I um, say to myself, if so-and-so is true, this is supposed to be a result, and I see the result, even if it makes no sense to me, it, as they say in Hebrew, so showing Moshe Rabbeinu means he was introducing an idea to Moshe Rabbeinu that really was not part of human understanding, even Moshe Rabbeinu's. We live and we have to live with a sense of absolute justice and right and wrong, consequences and reward. That's the world that's emissed to us. There is another dimension that belongs to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, And that world is the world of Mavel Midosov. The word Mavel means to jump over. If you have that imagery of, the, of that three-dimensional being jumping over the this circle, that's Marvel also means it's not straightforward. It's something that's able to override it. It's not something that's part of our understanding. If the world is absolute truth and justice, how does it work? But there is such an element. Um, and that's why it's called Keseder Hazeh. He didn't tell him which words to use. He told him Keseder Hazeh means there's a new structure, and it's a structure you're not familiar with. Not only you happen not to know, but it's something that you can't be familiar with. I will introduce it in your consciousness. You'll be able to understand there's another dimension. 
So the concept of Yudgim Omidos is another dimension, something that is extraneous to our sense of a universe. The totality of the universe we know is truth and consequence and reward and, and, and justice. And yet there is a Kaddish Baruch who does not, is not bound by this finite thing, but there's something beyond it. That's, that's first thing explain this concept of Yud Gimomidas being something which is Vitor and Mavel Midosov, and we'll, we'll try to explain how it works in conjunction with us. So now we've understood that this is something which is an incredibly unusual, out-of-the-world um, type of um, a- 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 act by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But now the question is, as far as we go, isn't that defeating the point? So, okay, so, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu does things that are beyond, that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But then we're back to square one again. So we've just basically um, destroyed our incentive to work, our sense of accomplishment, and so on. How do we deal with it? So, and this is very important, because when we say these Yud Gimonidas, we're, we're not just saying words. We have to live them. We have to be able to somehow um, be in tune with it. How are we in tune with it? So step one is we need to understand it as we need to understand the process of justice with its full um, with its full emis. We need to really understand that we've reached the limit and there is no hope, and then to reach out for the hope beyond it. Let's give an example. A simple example. Many times you have a child or a student in school that asks for a second chance. And part of you wants to give a second chance. But we're very sensitive. Is the child really sincere and understanding that he's reached the limit? And that he really, there is no, there is no chance in the, in, in the limits he reached. And then the second chance we give him is generally a new chance. Or is he sort of knows already, and he's not sincere, but he knows that if he pushes the right buttons, the word second chance, new, ch- new beginning, etc., does its, you know, it, it accomplishes its mission. We're very sensitive to it. And if we feel the child is genuinely broken and, and, and contrite and really understands what he's done wrong and so on, so then we will um, we'll, we'll be very open to give a second chance um, and, and we'll be fine with it. If we detect a kind of manipulation, a kind of, you know, not really, then, then we, we'd be inclined not to do it. And that's really, that's the right, right thing. You, you, you know, it, it's, it's two separate things. We need to understand the fullness of the consequence of what we've done and not done. And if you haven't 
done the work. We said clearly three times over that if you don't do X, Y, Z, then you can't go on the trip. You can't do this, you can't do that. And if the child realizes that, then we can, um, we can uh, give him a second chance. So the first point that's important, the first prerequisite for being able to tune into the Yud Gimomidos is to understand that we've reached an end, to understand that in truth, we don't deserve more, and we're asking for something at the point where we know it's the end. Then it's genuine. Then we're tapping into not distorting the truth, but we want to go past it. We want to tap into Kadesh Baruch Hu's infinite mercy. So genuinely being contrite, that a person sits and thinks about the things that he's done wrong and the things that the opportunities missed and that he's basically... It doesn't deserve X, but he's appealing to Kaddish Baruch Hu's extraordinary midah of infinite mercy. That's one prerequisite. It's probably the reason why Rosh Hashanah was set up before Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. And in the Sfarim, and the Kabbalah Sfarim, it's seen as a harsher day than Yom Kippur. There's not much tshuva spoken about Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, we stand in judgment in stark, unadorned judgment, and we're judged. Yom Kippur, which is a day that, that deals with, that Yudgimel Midos were given on, on, on Yom Kippur, and like I said before, the Torah says to say third time, and so on, that's already a day, once we realize, if we tap into Rosh Hashanah appropriately, and we realize that we're not trying to um, negate the judgment. We're not trying to weasel our way out of it, but we're, we're appealing to Kaddish Baruch Hu to override it. Then, it, it, we ha- then we can appeal. We have a right to appeal to it and be heard. So the first prerequisite is to recognize truth as truth, to recognize our shortcomings. And, and, and how undeserving we are in whatever area we're not deserving, and then to understand the appeal to Yud Gimomidos as being an appeal to supersede something. That's the first prerequisite. The second one is HaKadosh Baruch Hu relates to us in ways that we can connect and Therefore, if somewhere in our neshama we have a, 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 a ability to override our sense of what, what's rightfully mine, if we have a spark of that type of ability to rise above ourselves, then it resonates with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Let's go back to the Gemara in Tainus, which we said, which was Rebbe Yezir versus Rebbe Akiva. And Rebbe Shal Salanta gives this answer. He says a little bit differently, but more or less the idea is, 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 in, in, is, is what he says. Both of them were equally righteous, so that 
if we had to deal with what they deserve, they certainly would not have preferred one over the other. Rebeliezer and Rebekiva were both perfectly matched. Let's give a bit of a muscle. Imagine I have two vehicles that are priced exactly the same. So one vehicle might be quicker. The other vehicle might be more sparing in gas. This vehicle might be stronger. This vehicle might be nicer. When you add up everything, the price is the same. They're worth the same. But if I need it for a specific job, then I'm going to choose the vehicle that I need for a specific job. And if I need to go faster, I'll pick the faster one. If, if, if this was a case in, in the Gemara and Tainus, where we could have given them based on their merit, they would be equal. It wasn't like that. The cloud did not merit getting the rain or whatever it was that they needed. But since Rabbi Kiva had within himself the ability of being Madal Midosov, so it's true that Rabbi Gaza had other worthy, worthy character points that, that, that compensated for it. But in this specific area, what was called for was somebody who could rise above his sense of right and wrong. And this was something Rabbi Kiva excelled at. So to tap into this media specifically, one had to do this. Um, it, one needed a person who had it within him so that we could tap into it. I want to tell over a story that my Rabbi Rabbi Chaim Shulevitz would say, would say in his Musashmuz. It's become quite famous, quoted um, sometimes a little more accurately, sometimes a little less accurately, but I'll tell it over the way I heard it. And the way you would say it, during the Six-Day War, I, I came to Israel in 1970, I was not there in the Six-Day War, but during the Six-Day War, the Mir Yeshiva was situated on the border with Jordan. It was about one block away from No Man's Land. No Man's Land was a small Navi street, those who know, and Base Israel is one small street over. During the war, the, the, the Mir Yeshiva was huddled in the dining room, which was underground, and served as a miklat, as a shelter. There was bombardment. There was, it was very rough. And at one point, the Mir Yeshiva building took a direct hit. You can still see where it's patched up. And the building shook, uh, obviously. It took a direct shell. And the people in the, in the dining room thought it's all over. And everybody began davening and screaming. And Rebchayim Shulevitz would say over the following observation that he had, very emotional. Um, we, together with the yeshiva in that, in, in, in that shelter was a woman who lived next door to the yeshiva. The old, the area, the neighborhood in which the yeshiva is, is an old neighborhood most of the houses near there did not have their own shelters. There were these public shelters, and the Mishiva was was close enough to being a shelter, was kind of on the ground, so a few of the neighbors huddled there. Next door to the Yeshiva, there was a woman 
whose husband had walked out on her 20 years before, never saying goodbye, never sending a divorce, the classic Aguna. She was poor. She lived with an elderly sick father. I still remember them vaguely. I, 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 they were still around when I came. And her life was as miserable, as wretched as you could possibly imagine. When the yeshiva took a direct hit, and everybody was screaming, Shema Yisrael, and whatever, she screamed out and she said, my husband did the worst things to me. And, and, and I have every right to be angry at him for an eternity. I rise above it, and you too rise above your anger from Kal Yisrael. And Abhaim would say it was hurt filler that saved us. Not the learning of the Bach was precious, the Davni was precious, but those, that woman's words were the ones that saved us. He would say it with tremendous pathos and emotion. Abhaim had a very, lot of, very deep emotion. The point was that we're not talking about merit. We're talking about a certain ability to rise above oneself. A person exists, he has rights, he has possessions, and, 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 and I can, and, and I have a right for, for certain things. And it's sometimes it's unclear and we have to work it out in a, in a, in a turn and so on and so forth. And I don't, I'm not obligated at all to let go of things that are rightfully mine. Um, as a matter of fact, on Yekipa night, there's a special tefillah that Hayoda made. It's called tefillah Zaka, which we say before Kol Nidre, which many people say Kol Nidre. And we say, you forgive everyone except for someone that I intend to go to court with him and take what's fairly mine. There's nothing wrong with that. A person has the right to have what's his. But a person has in himself an extraordinary mida that is somewhere from that divine attribute of being able to go past sense of self-possession and mind. Not that it's wrong. It is, it, it, I exist, I have a right to exist. I have possessions, I have a right to be mine. I have rights, and, and, and that's all fine. It's not because the other person is right that I let go. It's because I can rise above myself. It's something that's inexplicable in terms of self, in terms of reason, in terms of many things. But it's part of the divine spark we have. So Reb Chaim's understanding of the situation was because she revealed a, 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 a level of Mavir al-Midosov that was incredible. This was a person who had destroyed her entire life and, 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 and everything he did was totally unjustified. And yet she could rise above it and let go. That allows a person to tap into the extraordinary attribute of Mavel Midosov. So let's put it together and sum up. Yom Kippur is a day where not only did Akash Baruch give us the Torah and forgave us, but Yom Kippur is a day when Akash Baruch revealed to us another aspect of his infinite being, and that is Yudgim Midas. 
it's an extraordinary way of dealing with humanity that goes beyond um, truth and justice and right and everything like it. It's 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 the incredible um, it's the incredible interaction that allows us to survive. But it's it, there are two extraordinarily important prerequisites that without it, it won't work and it can't work. If a person sees God as being, quote-unquote, soft, if he sees right and wrong to be flexible, malleable, then no, he'll never get extra good because that extra good is destructive. The kid who's a brat and knows how to manipulate his parents or his teachers the more you give in, the, the worse you're feeding the worst part of himself. So there's no way we can face HaKadosh Baruch Hu and tap into these Yud Gimomidos unless we concurrently understand how powerful and strong truth is. And we call a spade a spade. And we know that we're wrong. And we know we haven't measured up. And we know we've come short, and we are undeserving. If we feel that to its full extent, then it's possible for Kaddish Baruch Hu to reveal that beyond Midah of Mavo Midosov. And the second prerequisite for being able to tap into it is that we have that that we have in ourselves a cord that resonates with it, that on occasion we have and we're capable of saying this is not right, but as a person, I have superhuman capacity. Hashem gave me an neshama that allows me to rise above myself. And even if the other person is not deserving, as long as they're mine, but if need be, and if it's right, I can be Mavriel Midosov. So, Mavriel doesn't mean I, I distort what's right and what's wrong, but it means I rise above myself. It's not something that makes sense. It's not something that we can explain within human behavior. We can explain it because we have that spark in us. So, saying these words of Yudgim Midas is not simply a magical formula of saying the right words to get it going. There's no such thing. That, that, that's, that's nonsense. There are no magical words. It's not a game. We're talking about tapping into the extraordinary midah um, of that is beyond reason, beyond. And if we do what we need to do, we understand the fullness of right and wrong, and we find in ourselves um, that, that sense of extra, then we can then this 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 extraordinary seder at showed Moshe Rabbeinu this extraordinary um, way of approaching Hashem that he showed Moshe um, something we could never have thought of ourselves. That's when we can tap into it, and and hopefully this year we, we've we've had a rough year. We've had, we still don't even know where it's going. We don't even know the implications. We we can just we can sit and be very apprehensive about its implications in many ways in terms of health going forward, what's happening 
in terms of economy. Um, you know, the economy is taking blows. Who, how will that play out in terms of social fabric, in terms of many things? Um, it, it's, 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 it's quite a, a, a fearful time because who knows? And for whatever reason, the world has been called to task. Um, without, uh, uh, we don't have any profits to say why, but one thing we're sure of is somebody calls the world to task, and we've been called to task. Um, understanding that we need to be better is one. Understanding that even if things look kind of quite grave and grim, it doesn't seem as if there's going to be any Yeshua, Akadosh Baruch Hu's Midas override procedure, override Seder, override structure. And there's, and there's a new Seder, there's a new structure. And Be'ez Hashem, we should be able to tap into these Yudgimomidos, become extraordinarily better people ourselves, and, and, be, and merit that we get this type of extraordinary Yeshua that Yudgimomidos can bring about.